You're listening to the Bill Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. With the college basketball season now well underway, it's the best time to sign up for Midco Sports, plus your streaming destination for University of North Dakota hoops, as well as football, volleyball, soccer, softball, and much more. Midco Sports Plus, the home of the Summit League Network as well, giving you access to live games across the league from opening tip to final whistle. Sign up today at midcoastsportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast. It is the 9th of January, 2024. First pod in the new year. Alex Heinert, Bill Shaves, and special guest who we're going to introduce in a sec. Bill, happy new year. A week or so into it. How's 2024 treating you so far? Yeah, really good, Alex. Uh, how about yourself? I know we saw each other. Uh, did we see each other? No, we didn't see each other. But uh, I know we've chatted with each other. So uh, yeah, how's uh, how's everything treating you at this point in time? No, things are good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I did not get to see you at this weekend's nope. UND Alaska series because CBS stuff has has begun. So I was I was in the other part of the country. I was in Oklahoma this weekend uh, for Summit League Big Sky Challenge basketball, but was paying attention to what was happening up north and excited to, to see how things progress uh, on, on a number of different fronts on the hoop side and the hockey side, which we're going to get into over the course of today. But yeah, good start to the year. Our, our mild winter bill appears to perhaps be behind us as we've ushered in a cold snap that's hit the upper Midwest now. Mother nature, just making sure she knows she's- She's there, right? At the end of the day. Still undefeated. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk Yep, UND hockey and hoops and NCAA stuff coming up in just a bit. Plus, we got a festive fixture recap from soccer. Lots of good things going on there. First, though, we got to get to our special guest, who's a man that UND fans have known and loved for a long, long time. He was out of our purview for a little bit, and then we welcomed him back with open arms a couple of years ago to the college hockey space. He's coming to us from his home in Kansas City, Kansas, Missouri. Remind me again, which side of the border are you on? We're on the Kansas side in Shawnee. Beautiful. This is That's the, the dulcet tones of Jason Hajdu, who is now the Director of Communications <laughs> with College Hockey, Inc. Hash, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I should have asked when I before I committed to do this. You're not going to ask me any Premier League questions, are you? No, that's that's totally a flip on the B side. If you want to stay for the B side, we would always allow our guests to stay as long as they want. But they can also we we tend to like to cut them loose to get get on with their day. I'll, I'll field Red Sox questions, but no Premier League, if you don't mind. <laughs> we're not going. No AL East. We're not going to. We're not going to discuss <laughs> AL East. Let's just avoid that. If we yeah, could. we we know who's been finishing last recently, Alex. We sure do, and mm. it's not it's not Hash's Blue Jays. That we no, know. no, no. I thought he was going to get Shohei Atani, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemed like there was a hot minute where you, you might have had him. That was quite a week, wasn't it? And then mm-hmm. ever since then, the whole off season has just screeched to a halt. There's uh, not a lot of movement yeah. um, from anybody, really. Well, unless unless you're a Dodgers fan. Unless you're yeah the the Los Angeles deferrals. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right. Well, Haji, I really do appreciate you joining us. And, yeah. uh, you know, give us a little update, you know, for folks that may not know what College Hockey Inc. is, uh, you know, just give us the background. And then, of course, what you do with it at this point in time. Sure. College Hockey Inc. is a nonprofit organization, and it was born about 15 years ago, really, as a way to um, a way to try and keep the best American players specifically in the United States playing college hockey on their path to professional hockey. Um, But over the years, it's really evolved. Um, We realized at some point, and this clearly predates me, this is my third year with College Hockey Inc., but the organization realized at some point uh, we can do more. We can do more to grow the game. We can grow, uh, do more to, to market the game and be a storyteller, a national storyteller on behalf of, at the time, Division I men's college hockey. And College Hockey Inc. also uh, got into the growth part of it, seeking out universities that may be candidates to add the sport of Division One hockey, um, men's or women's. Every time we we approach a school, it's always with the goal of adding both. Sometimes it turns out to be just women's. Sometimes it turns out to be just men's, but that is the goal. And then heading into this year, we made the really the long overdue decision to to also bring 
women's hockey efforts and initiatives under our tent, so to speak. And we've we've added women's Division One women's hockey to our website. We uh, uh, we we played a role. I'm sure you saw the University of Delaware adding women's hockey before Christmas, uh, which which was a tremendous tremendous development uh, for the sport. And now uh, I can say we're actually just we're a few days away, I think, from announcing our hiring of our first ever director of women's hockey. I'm not sure when this episode will drop, but it may even be uh, by the time this episode drops, we have our our fourth full timer on board at College Hockey Inc. So the growth has been fun to watch uh, first personally from from the standpoint of being a school sports information director, but now being on the inside and seeing the all of the different I, I wasn't fully aware of all of the different things college hockey does as an organization within the sport and i'm certainly aware now but uh um it's it's been a blast to be a part of it the last three years you mentioned the growth that the game has had obviously you, you're originally from saskatchewan you came to mm -hmm. und as a student and then kind of fell in love with this game so that was 1995 i saw right was your first was. year <laughs> associated with college hockey in some way shape or form how have you seen the game change and evolve really since then to now almost 30 years later I, th I think one thing that jumps out is the facilities, uh, which certainly wasn't limited to, to hockey over the years in college sports. We've seen that people call it the arms race. We've seen that evolve in all sports, really, uh, in college sports. But it, it's, it's touched hockey as well, uh, the facilities. But I think also the perception has changed. There used to be this notion that college hockey was for late bloomers. It was for uh, the, the guys that weren't good enough for junior hockey and maybe didn't have the NHL in their future. But I think the sport has really blown that myth out of the water in recent years. You've seen all of the first round draft picks. You've seen the Kale McCars, the Adam Fantillis, the Jack Eichels. People are realizing now that there is high end talent coming out of college hockey. It's and the late bloomer narrative itself is largely a myth. I mean, the average age of an NHL rookie is usually about 22 or 23 years old. So it's not college hockey players getting late starts. It's just the natural progression of players. As, as we know uh, from watching sports over the years, development doesn't always occur on a linear path and that's that certainly uh applies to hockey as well so i think the evolution of the facilities i think the shattering of some myths of what college hockey is all about and and the ceiling of college hockey i think for me those are the two the two most stark changes over the years hey jason do, do you have connectivity with the nhl or professional hockey how, how does that relationship work yeah, good question. Actually, we are almost entirely funded through the National Hockey League, a grant from the National Hockey League that comes through USA Hockey. That's the majority of our funding. So we have a really good relationship with them. We uh, we meet monthly with Kevin Westgarth, who is a VP uh, for growth and collaboration with the NHL. We meet with Kevin and his team uh, at least monthly on a number of initiatives and uh, brainstorming sessions just to see how we can better grow the game and, and market the game. And as far as my role personally, I'm in weekly communication with, with the NHL, with NHL media, uh, doing a lot of the same things I did at North Dakota as an SID, just feeding them information and, and, and handing them NCAA-related storylines for their game broadcasts. So when, for example, if, if ESPN has an NHL broadcast, I'm sending them a specific set of notes that morning uh, containing a bunch of college hockey-related storylines, facts, notes, data, trends, things like that. Um, for John Bucigross and the gang over at ESPN, for example, and we do that with TNT as well. Uh, so yeah, we're, uh, we work hand in hand with the NHL and it's, it's been a fantastic relationship. But you mentioned Bucci obviously does college hockey and has kind of become one of the faces in the media for promoting what college hockey is about. Now the fact that he's one of ESPN's lead play-by-play -play guys for the NHL you, you, he has all those connections already banked up you know, in his memory. And, and obviously, yeah. your notes help. I'm not diminishing what you're doing because not everybody has that. But then I, I think those things help make the link for the common NHL fan to think about, oh, yeah, that's right. This guy went to BU. This guy played at Quinnipiac. This guy played at North Dakota. All those things help make those connections and, and raise the profile. Yeah, that's exactly the, the aim. Because when you turn on, if you're a college football fan and you turn on an NFL game, you know where all of these guys played college football same during march uh, uh during the nba playoffs for example you know where all of these stars played their college basketball we want to get to a position where when nhl fans turn on an nhl game they know 
Jack Eichel played at Boston University. They know Owen Power played for Michigan. Um, that's the aim. And and people like John Bucigras with with his kind of platform, we rely on that. Um, Division one college hockey can sometimes get lost in the shuffle and and overshadowed by football and basketball. So we rely on people like John big time um, with a platform to help spread that word essentially. So Jason, uh, so you you mentioned fifteen years of of college hockey Inc. So what's what's on the what's on the docket moving forward? I mean, what's the thought? I mean, obviously you want to grow the game, right? You want I, I get the the broader macro platform, but what other things are are you all working on at this stage of the game? Growth, like you said, is definitely a priority. But um, and this is a thing I wasn't totally aware of until I joined is the education efforts we make. And it's it's twofold, really. It's it's the 14 year old aspiring hockey player and their families and really anyone in their orbit that informs their decision making. So that could be their their parents, their advisors, their their youth coach. We want to get in front of those individuals and educate them not only about the benefits of college hockey, but ensuring your eligibility on the way to college hockey, because there are things that can trip that up along the way, as we know. Um so that's that's really a big priority for us and also is getting in front of the players currently playing college hockey and presenting data with them when they're trying to make their decisions do i stay do i come back for another year do i make the jump to professional here is the data we have uncovered over the years we're we're not going to editorialize we're going to present the data and allow you to make your informed decision just like we do with the 14 year old aspiring player here's the data go ahead and make your informed decision but we do provide coaches with this data that they can then pass along to their players when they are struggling with their decisions come April and May, whether to leave or to stay. Um, and, and a lot of the data is very telling. Uh, unless you're a first round or second round draft pick, you, you're you're doing yourself a, a favor by coming back for as many years as possible. So uh, the education piece of it, I think, is really crucial going forward. Uh, last one for me, Jason, is the, just a quick follow-up is, and, and I know between yourself and Mike Snee, you do a lot of presentations to some degree, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming that those go over fairly well, right? I mean, there's probably an aha or an epiphany moment for for some folks. As a matter of fact, my two, my two colleagues, Mike and, and Sean Hogan, are in Toronto today. And they were going to do a live event tonight, and uh, the weather has <laughs> the weather has thrown a wrench. So they're in Toronto, and they will have to do their Toronto event virtually tonight, which is a bit of a snag. <laughs> but they'll make the best of it. But yeah, they they were in British Columbia earlier this year. They uh, they will be back in Ontario in February. We did an Alberta event uh, prior to Christmas, and technologies post COVID have really helped us get to more places. We can get to a team in Northern Saskatchewan that we might not have been able to get to before uh, overseas. It's open doors overseas as far as our presentations. Um, and those are very popular. Uh, they draw big crowds wherever we go. It's interesting. I did my first one last February in Ottawa and it's, it's really telling to see the parents and the, the absolute anxiety they wear on their faces when it's decision time for their, for their young hockey player. Um, should they stay at home? Should they be sent off to a prep school at age 14? Should they, should they move out of state? Should they go to a select camp? Should they go to these, these recruiting camps? And they don't know what to believe. So uh, it's really important for us, as I said, to present that data and, uh, and allow them to make the most informed decision possible. Once we, once we present the data, it's out of our hands, of course. Um, but we do pride ourselves on being a free resource for these families as they make those decisions. As a dad going through it with yeah. with a um, youngster that's going through things, it can be hard. I mean, it really yeah. is hard. Any sport, you're trying to navigate. You know what is the right path for for your in everybody's development path. As you said, it's not linear, right? I mean, at the end of the day, who knows what transpires? So I, I, I do appreciate what you all do. I mean, I think you provide really good data, good information. People can do with what they want with it, but it, at least it's out there. And there's a lot of there's a pressure aspect to it, right? Like a 14 year old boy or girl, if they see one of their teammates or friends receive a, a verbal offer um, at some point along the way, and this individual doesn't have that offer yet, oh, are we doing it wrong? Are we on the wrong path? I, uh, there's so much hurry and rush uh, to hit these mileposts, and it's just not necessary. Our biggest message to these families is there is no one right path. The most important thing you can do is play somewhere just play 
and play well. That's it. In this day and age, if you play and play well, coaches will find you. Um, you don't necessarily need to leave home. Obviously, it's different based on geography, wherever you, you live. But for the most part, stay where you are and play and play well. That's it. That's that's the secret. I think the road's gotten wider in the last mm -hmm. couple of years where it does feel like more, especially more Canadians who normally would go play main or junior are now making their way into NCAA rosters and having an impact from a young age. As you mentioned earlier, the idea of what college hockey is has changed and it's led to some phenomenal products on the ice. Like we've had a really entertaining season so far and, and some great years, the last handful of years, certainly has, if you want to look big picture, what has maybe been your favorite storyline or some of the favorite things that have popped up for you over the course of this season, or perhaps some that are yet to come. I was texting with uh, our friend Brad Schlossman last night that I am already irrationally excited for the NCAA tournament this year. I think <laughs> there are so many legitimately good teams with a chance to win this thing. And on top of that, you've got the possibility of some new blood in the tournament this year. Some teams that have bounced back like Maine, you might get an Arizona state in the tournament that would some teams that would really freshen up the look of the bracket. And I just think it's going to be wide open. The skill level, as we know, is incredible. I cannot wait until March and April. It's uh, it's going to be an outstanding postseason. I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. And uh, I think, um, I think it's going to be a tournament to remember. I really do. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I the the depth right now of understanding which team is going to make the run. Who knows at this point? It, it, it yeah. I mean, put about ten to twelve. I, I would say in a bag right now, and I think you could pick any one of them. I mean, I'm just looking at the pairwise right now, and I'll just pick out a random team. Western Michigan sitting there at ten, and if you ask anyone in the NCHC, that's a team that could legitimately win a national championship. Um, Arizona State has three losses in twenty five games. And they're the yep. 16. They're number 16 right now uh, as we sit here in the pairwise. So um, I, I just think there's just incredible talent across the board. Um, I, I We think we at College Hockey Inc. think there's enough talent for more teams, uh, for more schools to add Division One hockey and, and make it and keep it a viable product. So uh, the talent is plentiful. Uh, the number of teams that have a legit shot to win this thing this year, I think it's a large number. And I think fans are going to really enjoy this tournament and and what better way to, to culminate that than than the excel energy center in april yeah that's going to be a ton of fun for und fans yeah. you potentially have the opportunity to stay within the midwest if you want to to catch mm -hmm. the regional because sioux falls south dakota is hosting omaha is the host uh, institution but it'll be down the road in sioux falls and then yeah the frozen four in st paul two weeks later there'll be some great crowds some great crowds yeah, you would certainly think so. So, Hajj, obviously, this is not the only podcast that you are involved with to give people a little idea of where they can listen to you and Schloss on a weekly basis. Yeah, College Hockey Today, our weekly national look at college hockey that uh, Schloss and I co-host that usually drops on Thursdays. Uh, we tend to tape those Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning, whenever his travel schedule will allow. Um, that's once a week. And I think once we get our, our new director of women's hockey on board, we'll also at some point have a women's version of college hockey today as well. That will be out weekly. So comprehensive look at the national picture on both men's and women's sides. Um, we're excited about that as well. Yeah, it's a great podcast. That's one I listen to every week and have for years. I know Nate Ewell used to host. And then of course he mm -hmm. went on to go win Stanley cups and things like that. Nate, with Nate went pro, didn't he? Nights. He went pro, <laughs> he turned pro. And uh, it was dormant for about it, maybe a year or so. And then yeah. it, it's been great to see that resurrected. I really missed it when it was gone. But it, it's, if you like college hockey and love to get a flavor of what's happening around the country, Haj and Schloss go conference by conference and then give t games to watch. And it's, it's, it's really a good overview of what's happening. So well done on that, Jason. Uh, Appreciate you, that. Appreciate podcasting's that. been in your life for a long time. It's, going back yeah, to Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather listen than host for sure. My my subscription feed is a little overwhelming, but it's been fun. It's fun to to hook up with Schloss every week. And um, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's when I was at UND and I had been there so long that it, everything just felt natural and and uh, I knew the history of the programs and and et cetera et cetera. Now when you're you need to when you're talking about sixty four different programs, uh, you got to know your stuff because if you don't. <laughs> You're going to hear about it. So there's a fair amount of homework that goes into this, not to mention my co-host, Brad Schlossman, like who knows more about college hockey than Schloss. So uh, I've got to be on my toes for sure. And uh, several Diet Cokes in before we record. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, I love it. Well, we, we, I know you've probably got a few more in your future today with chasing the kids around on a snow day. I do. I uh, do. Yes. Yes. No caffeine free today for sure. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking some time out of a busy, a busy home day with the crew and with, with stuff coming up with another busy weekend of college hockey on the way. Jason, continue the great work. And thanks again for your time, buddy. Thank you. Anytime. Appreciate the invite. Thanks, Ash. Thanks again to Jason Hajdu, formerly of UND. He was here with the University of North Dakota Athletics Department for 23 years. I mean, from 95 as a student all the way through 2018. Such a big part of what has made UND Athletics what it is in terms of getting information out and and promoting the programs. And like the guy just wrote the book on how to be a sports information director. And the, the, the rubric is still followed. Like it's just neat to see Hajdu's fingerprints still all over when you get game notes and those things, like it's still, it's still there, even if the people running it have changed, but uh, doing a phenomenal job, of course, with college hockey Inc. Uh, really great to have him on the podcast today, Bill. Yeah, it was good to catch up with Jason. And I was uh, really lucky to be able to cross over for him for uh, maybe about, I don't know, about eight, nine months. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then he and uh, Amanda get a great opportunity down in, uh, in the Kansas city area. So they took it and uh, good for them, but uh, great to have him back in the college hockey scene. I mean, yeah. it's uh, one of the good ones uh, it, all the way around. And in, in, in I think his his knowledge of the game and being able to publicize and promote it is incredibly important because you, it, it, he's and it, he's just got a level of credibility that he's. I think what he's doing right now is 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 couldn't be any better for the game of college hockey. Yeah, phenomenal ambassador with that wealth of information yeah. that he provides yeah. and and the way that he provides it. You can tell. I would imagine if I was the parents of a young man or woman who was thinking about going the college hockey route and has showed up for one of these events, he would put me at ease, I think, with the information that he would provide and do so in a way where you would think, you know what, that's pretty attractive. This college hockey thing, this guy with the beard makes this seem like a good thing for my, my child to go do. I, I think he would, he's been a, a great asset, I think, for College Hockey Inc. and for College Hockey in general. So 100%. Yep, good things 100%. happen in there in that space. But yeah, you really should. If you do like College Hockey, give that podcast a listen. College Hockey Today, weekly with Hajj and with Brad Schlossman. Really good stuff there for Jason. And again, if you're interested in learning more about the game, go to collegehockeyinc.com. Uh, speaking of hockey, let's just continue in this vein. UND was back in action Real action, not just exhibition play this weekend. They got to host a very good Alaska Fairbanks team that was hovering yeah. on the pairwise bubble. And both games were physical and, and tight and a yep. little back and forth early. And in, on both nights, North Dakota was able to turn it on and pull away over the final 30 minutes of action. 6-4 on Friday, 6-2 on Saturday. Two big wins for Brad Berry's team in non-conference as they finish out that portion of their season. I agree, Alex. You know, I... A couple things that struck me. One is the week before when you're playing the U.S. team, you know, to some degree, it, it has um, an interesting vibe to it, that mm-hmm. game. It, it, I, I don't know how to really quite put it in perspective, but it's, a, it's really ultra-talented skaters on the ice, no doubt about it. But then it always seems to get a little interesting because it's competitive at the end. But um, the, the real the real win in that was Hobie Hedquist being able to get 60 minutes of play Mm -hmm. because, you know, the way Ludwig had played that whole first half, it was awesome that he got game experience and look ahead to what transpired right this past weekend. Yeah. Ludwig person comes down with an illness on Friday morning after practicing all week and just presuming to step back into the starting role. Hobie again, who's a freshman who had only played in the Manitoba exhibition. And then as you, as you said, played the full game against the NTDP a week before has to step in and played really well over the course of two games. Yep. It just, yep. there's um, something to be said about having a little depth in goal and you never know when someone's going to have to step in. And that was the big talking point sort of over the course of the first half. Ludwig's playing fantastic. This is great. We just can't get Hobie in. There's just, there's no opportunity here. Why stop a good thing? In the back of your mind, you're thinking, but they got to get him in at some point because they're going to probably need him. And they needed him this weekend. Then he came through. Yeah, it worked out, uh, you know, very well that he was able to get that one game, uh, almost kind of like the Manitoba games always been for a lot of our, you know, first years that, you know, kind of get that first Ralph game out of their system, if you will. And that helped moving forward. The other thing that was interesting through this weekend as well is if you look at Fairbanks's independent schedule, and as you said, they're kind of they were certainly on the pairwise bubble coming in. 
if you looked at the remaining games, this was this one was highlighted and circled because if yeah. they could make mm-hmm. some hay at least one night, you knew you were going to get a desperate, desperate team. And that's exactly what we got. I thought their first period was excellent on Friday night. They were really, yeah. really good. Um, and then, you know, you knew you were going to get desperation at the end of games. And that's exactly what we got. So I thought all around it was a it was a awesome showing by our team to be able to kind of withstand all of that. And then the yeah. other the other side of it is too, it's always interesting during these holiday games when our student body's not there. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a different vibe in the building too. Awesome fan uh attendance it was great great on both nights but there's definitely just a different feel in the building when our students and bands not there it makes you appreciate when they come back and they will be back next week for the omaha series which will be exciting so you get that opportunity to feel the full pageantry of what's going on but yeah that's right it just changes things a little bit for sure when you don't have that level of atmosphere or vitriol perhaps sometimes directed at the opposition but two big wins now and now nchc play the rest of the way one third of the conference season's done two thirds to go and they'll get an omaha team coming in that kind of like alaska on the pairwise bubble but the mavericks have a lot of games against good teams ahead in which they can improve their stock and as always this is an omaha team that's good i mean mike gabinet's done a great job with that program they were the number three seed, of course, in the postseason last year, and UND went down to Baxter Arena and knocked them off. And they yep. played seven games against each other last year. There's a lot of familiarity between these two programs. Yep. Typically, there are fireworks when the Mavs and Fighting Hawks get together. We expect no different coming up this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I, you know, when you definitely have had, you know, kind of the series that we've had over the course of time, and, you know, they're, they're our travel partner, at least mm-hmm. for at least this year until this year. Arizona State comes in, right? And so, but at the end, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I mean, it's 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 going to be one week after another that will just be a gauntlet. And so uh, it starts this weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, Omaha is coming off. A really narrow defeat in the Desert Classic. They made the championship game of that tournament down in Tempe and then lost in overtime to the host Sun Devils. So they'll be they'll be motivated to come up here and try and chip away at a North Dakota team that, again, currently is sixth in the pairwise, four in the country. Should be two really good games. UND then goes on the road, by the way, next week to the current league leaders, St. Cloud State, who was phenomenal in the first half. 7-0-1, their best start to a conference season in D1 history for the Huskies. St. Cloud, by the way, plays at Denver this weekend. So a couple of big games in a row for the Huskies. And then Denver, of course, is who UND plays the weekend after that. So it is that sense. One after the next, after the next. No easy weeks ever in college hockey, but certainly from here on out when you know how important each of these nights is going to be in the quest for another Penrose Cup. Yeah, no doubt about it. it it's a, uh, you know, you take each each series uh, one at a time, each weekend, but, you know, it's uh, it starts right now. Here comes uh, really the march to march, right? I mean, yeah. ultimately, that's what it is. Hockey is very much gearing up towards that. You think March, you think college basketball, of course, men's and women's both in a unique state right now because they started conference play just after Christmas and then yep. dipped into the Big Sky Summit League Challenge this past yep. week with a couple of games on Wednesday and Saturday, home and road. Just your thoughts, by the way, on how obviously it was, it was a great in terms of parody. Yeah. I mean, even score. A dead even. A dead heat after all, after 36 games. Nothing to separate these two. Felt like it was a pretty big success. Alex, we always kind of say sometimes on the B side, a tie is fair. You know, sometimes it ties for now. There was some sort of tie breaking, and I think uh, we ended up eking it out to some degree, but it couldn't have been any closer between the two leagues. I mean, it was tied after day one, it was tied after day two. And so uh, that's about as even as it gets. You know, I think that so it had to get off the ground. So it got off the ground this year. You know, the dates. Um, are going to be early December next year. And so that's a little bit different. It was just really hard um, to get that squared away for this year because people, uh, schools already had contracts in place. And so we ended up moving it right now because then you're only really moving conference games at that point in time. So you had control. So next year will be a little bit different. Um, you know, I liked them. I liked it that it was all in the same week. Um, and 
you know, you could focus in on it. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I I think the Wednesday-Saturday format's going to have to stay because depending on who you're going to play, you're going to need that extra day to get back uh, to campus and then be able to prep for whomever you're playing on that Saturday. I mean, and of course, you're either vice versa on the road coming back or leaving. So uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. And I thought that the fact that the commissioners and the athletic directors and the SWAs and the basketball coaches were willing to do this. I, I think it, it, it takes a lot to get a, a commitment from two conferences, let alone one conference. So I thought it was good. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing. Buy-in from across both leagues w- had to be there or else this would not have worked. And uh, I got to do um, the game in Tulsa between Oral Roberts and Weber State, and we had Mindy K. Larson, deputy commissioner, who's been on this podcast before. She was on the show with us, and we had a chance to interview her and asked her about that. Like, how do you get 19 schools, 38 programs on the same page and, and to make this work? Like, how difficult of an ask is that? And she had said, logistically, yeah, it was hard. And that's to your point, why the schedule had to be what it was, because this was sort of what worked best after everybody already had their non-conference decisions made. But she said, you would be surprised at how willing everybody was to say, all right, let's figure it out. This this is a good thing for our league. This is going to be a good thing for our programs to get another home game against a similar caliber opposition. That's right. Like all those things. And and I think there was a willingness to compromise or, or to say, yeah, we, okay, we will go on the road to Flagstaff or we will go to Pocatello or we will do wh- whatever those things needed to have happen, happened. And, I, and that's, there needs to be more of that in the NCAA. And it was awesome to see these two conferences do it. And I think the positive feedback that they got from the college basketball world as a whole reflected that. People looked at this model, I think, on Saturday night and it was being spoken of in national news and you're in in the in the normal college basketball landscape. The Summit League and the Big Sky don't get a lot of love. People are not that's really right. talking no, about these two right. conferences very often this time of year. And this was a talking point. Jeff Goodman is talking about this on his Twitter feed, saying the commissioners need to arm wrestle. This needs to happen. They're tied. None of this that's point right. differential stuff. Like it just shown us. It, it it showed a bit of a spotlight. And I think that's a positive thing for both of these conferences and the schools and the student athletes in them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well said, Alex. And I think it was, you know, good competition. Um, and it bonds the leagues a little bit too, right? Like, so you're kind of united in a sense doing it, but then obviously I'm, I'm rooting for all of our teams in our league, right? Yeah. Like, so there's, mm-hmm. there's something fun about that. So everyone likes that competition piece. So next year will be the first week of December. And, um, you know, I, I think it'll be great. I, I do. And so, uh, you know, and mentioning, you know, Mindy Kay and Dan Satter at, um, uh, the big sky, they did a lot of the heavy lifting, um, trying to figure out the logistics. And, you know, just like from our perspective, I had said to Mindy Kay, Hey, you know, we do have some returns coming from big sky schools i was hoping and it worked out this way she was awesome is you know hey i I, we've already gone somewhere i I don't want that to be the return because that didn't Mm -hmm. that doesn't that feels like you're kind of having your cake and eat it too right so i didn't want the two for one to happen so with that happening um you know they were able to work out some of those types of logistics which worked out fantastic yeah it's so many parts that are moving and a lot of puzzle pieces because obviously UND is not the only one that's making those arrangements. And it was just neat to see, I think overall a pretty big success and it's going to be even better next year. And obviously I think it helped from a UND perspective. Like our fans know Northern Colorado, our fans know Northern Arizona, our fans know Idaho state. Like there's, there's a little familiarity, even if it's been a couple of years, you don't know the players anymore and you might not know the coaches but you yeah. know the programs, you know where they're going. And I think I'd be curious to see like what an Omaha or a St. Thomas that are sort of playing these schools, maybe for the first time ever, how they felt about it. But it was, I think it was fun. I think for our fans to have Eastern Washington back in the building and to have, you know, I think those sorts of things are fun. I just, it just threw it back six or so years ago when you were doing this weekend, week out in the big sky. Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I think, 
you know, I, I think the coaches knowing that, hey, they've got one on the road, one at home with a like uh, a like uh, school coming in with a, a good chance to, to be really, really competitive to, to possibly, you know, win a game uh, in either place, quite frankly. And what we saw, Alex, obviously, to some degree, it almost didn't matter if you were at home or on the road. I mean, it was that tight, uh, uh, you know, across the board. Yeah, they did a great job, I think, pairing up schools who were more or less similar caliber. And we saw that through, I mean, with, with UND scores. Obviously, the men dropped two really close ones, you know, a, a game against Northern Colorado that could have gone either way, really, even mm-hmm. though it was double figures at times, but was was tight. And then certainly the one-point defeat at Northern Arizona easily could have been flipped the other direction where UND had the big lead early and the Lumberjacks chip away and find a way to get the win on their home floor. And then with the women, too. I mean, a good six-point win on the road. And then a game at home against Eastern that was a one-possession game late. And, and again, a coin flip situation. So yep. it, it, that, that, that was a big piece of it. It wasn't a bunch of blowouts. There were, of course, some. But for the most part, good games down to the wire. Yeah, so it would be fun to to see what the uh, kind of the debrief is of it, and uh, and away we go. But I, yeah. I thought it was really really good. So you know, now we're back into conference action. Yeah, yes, we are. So back to that normal home home away cadence between the men and the women. Uh, Omaha will come to town for Mallory Bernhard's squad. Kansas City also on the 11th and the 13th. The men going down to Omaha and KC. A little bit of breaking news in terms of a schedule change down in Kansas City, Bill. Give us the update yeah, on that. Yeah, we were scheduled to uh, tip at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. I think two reasons. I think uh, as we uh, heard from Jason Hajdu, who's in uh, Kansas City right now they they're get they're gonna get a, a nice little winter storm I think here in the next several days and it's supposed to be I know uh there's potential weather uh, on that Saturday as well and uh then the Chiefs are also at home so I think there was an alteration I, yesterday there was some conversation going on between certainly the coaches but of course we were in travel mode so we had to think through you know what are the travel logistics and how can we rearrange some things and you know it's it's not always just as simple of just saying, let's go from seven to two. Uh, now, having said all of that, um, probably in the big picture, better for sure us to play at two so that maybe we can sneak out of there, uh, you know, come five o'clock or so that night. Yeah, you'd hope so. That would be the one positive. Get back a day early, get ready to go. Yeah. You're, you're in your bed that night. It cracks me up a little bit that it would be the Chiefs game that would be part of that reason. But that'll be fun. It'll be a good time to be down there and, and get a chance to play a Ruse team that's a lot better this year than people expected. So big, big stretch coming up for both the men and the women now as they go into games three and four of conference play. Yeah, I, I mean, I think both teams, you know, are trying to figure some things out. Um, you know, the women had a, uh, you know, a better week uh, this past week. I think they started to, uh, you know, play play better, certainly on the defensive end. And then uh, on the men's side, you know, I'm kind of going to break their season up into a third, a third, a third. I think they got off to a good start on the third. We, 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 brought Tyree back. And I think he just adds a different ingredient to the mix. And I think they're trying to, it's almost like they're hitting a reset right now in real time with uh, trying to figure out, you know, how does that all work itself out? And you're right. I mean, lost a couple close ones at this point in time, but uh, you know, I'm confident that, you know, they're going to figure out, you know, what's the best version of, of themselves to give themselves a shot as, as certainly we head, you know, towards March. Yeah, it's an interesting schedule. I mean, because the Summit League, both the men and the women do feel pretty wide open. And so some years you could look and say, all right, well, we should win this game. And this one's going to be a tough one. And this one's kind of an even matchup. I don't know this year when you look at the opposition of, is this going to be a tough game? Is this going to be a game that we should win? It's really hard to know for all of these teams. And I, I'm assuming as the year goes on, we'll learn a little bit more. But right now, it still feels like psh, anybody can beat anybody at this point. I, I would agree. I, I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to be that way the rest of the year. I, I mm. have little I can tell. I, I agree with you. Sometimes it, the, sometimes conferences tend to separate. Uh, you know, uh, Even going into conference play, you kind of have an idea at that point in time. Right now, it feels like I, I think teams are going to have some highs and they're going to have lows. And, and at the end of the day, you're going to try to minimize the lows and, and try to get yourself uh, going as best as you can. So, so both teams trying to kind of find their best spot right now. Yeah, well, hopefully 
Paul and Mal and the crews can get things back on the right track here coming up with some conference games. Again, Omaha, Kansas City for the women at home. Those games will be live on Midcoast Sports as well as streaming on the Summit League Network through Midcoast Sports Plus. And the great thing, again, for the men, even though they're on the road, you can subscribe to the Summit League Network on Midcoast Sports Plus and get those games as well. And that'll be the case now the rest of the way. No more worrying about... I know with the Big Sky Challenge, it was a lot of, well, is this game on ESPN Plus? Is this game on... The Summit League Network, where, where are they? and it, always, it just depended on obviously where the game was taking place. Now we know the rest of the way, it's all Summit League games. So you can stream That's everything. Right. And if, if it's not on Midco Sports Linear, it certainly will be on the app. And if it is on television, it'll be on the app as well. So great. Unless, I should say, unless it's on national television, I apologize. There will be some games on CBS Sports Network, like the UND NDSU game in Fargo later in February. That game will just be on CBS SN. But you can subscribe to YouTube, TV, or Hulu, or other things. It's so complicated anymore. But yes, for the most part, 95% of the games <laughs> moving forward will be on that yeah. same streaming service. Few, few and far between. Uh, like I said, I, it, because that rotation of the CBS, it doesn't impact you, but maybe a couple of times a year. Yeah. So generally speaking, what you're saying is 100% correct. So, uh, But you're right. I mean, it is uh, – there's certainly – enough streaming services at this point in time that it, it it's a little dizzying right now. Yeah. It's not some, it's not necessarily perhaps the best model for the majority of Americans. It feels like we need some, some umbrella to put them all underneath. If we could just have like a thing where you just had one service and then like all the things that you wanted were just there, that'd be okay. Yeah. That's what it was. That's, that was what it was called. That's right. Cable. That's right. Oh, that's, that's thing. Right. We had that. It's a bundle. That. That's right. That's, we had that. <laughs> then we tore it apart. The uh, but the thing that's interesting, and I've I you know it's it's just funny. Sometimes you read some stuff, and you know. Uh, uh, Folks that must not listen to the B side of this pod obviously don't have Peacock, because mm. apparently, if you're a B sider here, you you better have Peacock. You and so, uh, so there were some folks I think on the NFL side of playoffs that um, if their team got drawn to that little slot on Saturday night, you'd have to have uh, Peacock. So I, I've read some things. My my wife my wife tells me we have Peacock. You know, so I mean, it's like they, they don't even know per se. But at the end of the day, that's just where we are in life. Holy that's cow, just, that's where we are. Yeah, that Chiefs game that is part of the reason why the men will play earlier in the afternoon. That is the Peacock game. It's only on streaming. It is not going to be on linear television unless you live in the Kansas City area. Correct. So that's so there's that. But anyway, interesting stuff. Uh, we're kind of dipping into the B side. We're going to hold off on that for just a second because we have one more NCAA yep. news nugget to discuss. NCAA convention bill is coming up this week in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. You get a chance to go down with a number of people from UND. What do you expect? coming up yeah. this yeah, week. Yeah, crossing crossing my fingers that our flights get out, right? You never know. I mean, that's it's a possibility. I mean, I here it's one of those trips too, Alex. I'm such in and out that if any delay happens, you're probably just going to wipe the trip. I mean, that's ultimately what happens. Now, knock on wood, hopefully myself and Eric Martinson, our deputy athletic director, Liz Jarnigan, our senior women's administrator, and uh, Dr. Armacost will be down there, which is awesome. Um the main day is Thursday, honestly, and there's a lot of Division One um, happenings that day, including a Summit League meeting in the morning. So, uh, so we'll all be at the Summit League meeting, followed by really a, a day full of, okay, what is ha- trying? What are we trying to do here? You know, moving forward, and uh, with uh, President Baker kind of putting out his framework back in early December, I think he's going to hopefully expound upon it a little bit because ultimately he, it really was a framework. I mean, uh, to some degree. Uh, you know, it, it needs some more meat on the bones. I mean, because at this point in time, it's it's a lot of bones. And so, I mean, and when you have a statement, you know, certain statements on there, you kind of want to dig a little bit deeper. So what does that mean? So how how does that affect us at UND? How does that, you know, of course, everyone's going in with their, 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 their school hat on and their conference hat to some degree. And then how right. does it affect you from a conference standpoint? So, you know, we, we will have, we'll, we're recording today on January 
9th. We're going to record again on the 23rd, and we're lucky enough, at least at this point in time, uh, to have Dr. Armacost on as our special guest. And so I'll be interested to see what his take is at the convention. We figured that was the right time to have him on because he'll be in circles with uh, the presidents, and Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see what his thoughts are. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what happens this week and excited that, yes, we don't have to wait too long to get a debrief coming up later on this month on the next edition of the Bill Chaves podcast. So hopefully it works out. Hopefully weather-wise, there are no issues. You can get to the desert, glean the information, make your voice heard. And then come back and tell us what happened. I'm excited. That's right. And then we'll, and then we'll be on the pod and the pod will talk about it for sure. <laughs> oh, good. That'll be good. Can't wait for that one coming up next uh, in two weeks time at the end of the month. Anything else, Bill, UND wise and CWA wise before we do a quick flip? No, I, I think, you know, we got enough uh, games coming up. It should be an exciting weekend for sure. So the, uh, the Betty and the Ralph are warm. So come on in. <laughs> the doors are open. As are our arms. Yes, it should be fun. Fun weekend coming up with women's hoops and hockey here at home this weekend. And then men's hoops back home next weekend as well. B-side wise, we, we've talked so much pre-Christmas about the festive period in the EPL and all the games coming up through the, you know, Christmas, through Boxing Day, New Year's, etc. The dust has settled a little bit. Spurs made out okay. You've won four of your last five, rebounded a bit after a a worrisome, troublesome time, maybe in the late fall. You're on 39 points, still in fifth place, but you're just three points out of second. You're one point out of a Champions League spot. It's still very tight near the top. What were your biggest takeaways from the festive period, Bill? Yeah, it didn't seem like many teams really broke away. I know your Liverpool kind of snuck themselves up the table a little bit. And, uh, you know, but it doesn't seem like there's a a dominant team right now. If there's one, it's going to be Manchester City at some point in time. Now that they're starting to get healthier, once that happens, you just wait for them to go on a run in some way, shape or form. But I know Paul Ralston's team is, uh, you know, found a little bit of trouble uh, over the course of here. The last uh, the last several matches, it doesn't break our heart in uh, in North London um, at, at this point, at least on parts of North London. And so at the end of the day, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it. We're still battling a lot of injuries, a lot of, lot of hamstrings, yeah. Alex, a lot of hamstrings. A lot of hamstrings. They're fragile there uh, at White Hart Lane. It does feel like reinforcements are on the way, I saw today, because again, January, transfer window open. You have an opportunity for the month to bring in new blood or get rid of some of the dead wood. Timo Werner, formerly of Chelsea. So uh, coming back to London, just going to put on a different color blue this time. Uh, obviously... People have opinions on Timo after his time with the Blues. Uh, your thoughts on that? And I, it feels like it's a good time because, as you mentioned, injuries have hit. Plus, you're going to lose Sunghai Min for a little bit. Sun is going off to the Asian Cup. Some players are going on to the Africa Cup of Nations as well this month. So it's squads are thin. What do you make of the Werner signing? Yeah, I think uh, what I heard yesterday, and this probably makes some sense, Ange uh, he was coaching Celtic last year, and so mm-hmm. he was in the same group with RB Leipzig and watch Timo Werner score and assist on a game-winning goal. And uh, I I think probably up close and personal saw the way he, I, I think, can stretch it stretch a um, defense now you know you, you hear a lot of stuff about the finishing piece hey, with him or Charleston it'll be fun to watch but at the end of the day <laughs> if you put if you put if you put um, Sun Johnson and, and Werner up top I'll tell you I that's going to be interesting. That's for sure. So, but I just think they need a depth in real, really, it seems like a low cost move for them in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. It does. It does feel like it's a low cost move. He, uh, just for people who aren't familiar, Timo Werner was a really prolific scorer in Germany for a long time with Arbe Leipzig and then came to the Premier League and it just didn't quite work out with Chelsea. And it was the finishing was the issue. The joke was like, he needed about 10 chances to score once. But the work rate was great. Like he was a tireless runner. He ran the channels. He did a lot of little things. And I think people that that really watched it closely said, no, he's actually, he's contributing. He's just not scoring the way that he did in the Bundesliga. So he goes back to Leipzig and never didn't, it didn't quite happen the way that you kind of would thought. I think people expected him just to go back and he would just continue scoring as he had done in the league previously. And he hasn't quite hit those heights. 
But Spurs, in, in for their defense, you're bringing in a, a high-caliber player that's played for the German national team and has a good pedigree, and I think will do the things that Ange will want him to do. He's going right. to be a part of the press. He's He's got great pace to get behind the defense. He will trouble the opposing goalkeeper. Whether or not he hits the target, I mean, we'll see. But, but he's going to do a lot of the things that Ange would like to see happen on the pitch. And I think, as you said, depth-wise and potentially to be another threat up top this makes a lot of sense for his first team battling for a top four spot yeah 100 percent, all of that right so yeah and i think most uh teams are trying to figure out their situation right now i the, the most interesting part to me right now is is they're still they still have kind of a hush i say a bloated roster uh, but they they've got injury issues number one for a good chunk of that roster that he actually wanted to play. And then he's got a portion of players that just don't fit his system. So he's trying to move them along. Dyer. So even though, Eric Dyer. Eric well, Dyer. there's a, there's a few people that just don't fit a system. I don't think, I, I don't think I regular and Spence. I mean, I, I think there's some folks that he's trying to move, move along. So I think that's in that play as well at this point. Yeah. Uh, the note, by the way, Werner, it's it's a loan deal with an option to buy for about 17 million euros. So not a huge commitment. You're just paying his wages this this semester, quote unquote, for the second half of the season. And then you can see how it goes. But yeah, 14 appearances for Leipzig this year, just two goals. They'd love the return to be a little bit better than that. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. Good opportunity here in January to get somebody that's not going to cost you a lot that could perhaps give you a bit of a lift right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. What about Liverpool? What are they doing uh, during this window? Not much. Um, they are. They will probably look to sign a little cover in defense because Trent Alexander-Arnold now is out for a couple of weeks with a hyperextended knee. They, they're still missing both of their left backs. Um, and Andrew Robertson's been a long-term absentee, but should be back maybe by the end of the month. And their backup left back is, is out as well, probably out for a couple more weeks. So... They've kind of been in scramble mode back there. It hasn't cost them much. I mean, they've had this great unbeaten run still. A couple of ties early in the festive, festive season, but they've won their last couple of games. They had a nice win over Arsenal in the League Cup. No, in the FA Cup. I'm getting confused. Early early FA Cup was there. They're in the semifinals now in the League Cup. They'll play Fulham this week. The, the unique thing now is that there are, there's an international break coming up. Spurs only have two more games this month. Like you've only got two matches and then it's February. Liverpool have a few more because of the Carabao Cup two-legged semi. But really there's there's not as many fixtures now with European football on hold till February, the international break coming up. You almost get a chance. Obviously the guys who are going on international duty you don't get a break, but you can kind of reset a little bit and try and heal up and then get ready to press on once February rolls around. I agree. I agree with all of that. And, uh, you know, if you're, uh, what's, what's interesting, I, I find it fascinating. I, and there's a lot of pieces that are fascinating to European soccer, but the FA Cup, which you, you have to love the that tournament period. I mean, the history of it, whatever, all of yeah. that stuff. Mm -hmm. But is it any worse? Again, like a good tie. But is it any worse when you actually tie and you have to yeah, replay? You got to replay it. Mm -hmm. it. There's nothing worse. I'm not sure there is. There's nothing worse for a team in the Premier League to tie in the yeah. FA Cup. That's if right. If you are in the fifth right. division, this That's is right. a gold mine because you get another Gates. You maybe, and if you're playing a bigger club, you That's get a right. chance to then for sure go to their place. That's right. There's, there's a great story, and I'm going to butcher some of the details, but on Men in Blazers years ago, they had Barry Hearn on the podcast. Mm. And Barry is a – he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades in England and had been a boxing promoter and had owned different businesses. But he bought Leighton Orient, which was his childhood club growing up. Sure. And they were a lower division team. And it, for him, it was a, there's a, it's a it's a great episode where he talks about the lessons that he learned from being an owner of a football club. But one of them, one of the years he talked about was they made the FA Cup and, and they got drawn against Arsenal. And so they started, I think, at home and they drew with Arsenal. And he said the euphoria was not just that we got the result. It was that now we know we get to go to Arsenal and we get half the gates of the yep. 70,000 seat stadium. And he said the joy and the excitement around knowing we're going to get all that money. It's a big this deal. Is, this is life-changing for our club. Is a big deal. So that's the only reason why it's a good thing.
So when you flip it back to the NCAA tournament in basketball, for sure, we have to be really careful about all the things we're doing. I mean, the NIT wants the bigger brands to some degree, but you do lose the romance of the potential tournaments at some point in time. And if everything's driven by, I guess, either the brand or not, I, I, you know, again, I, the Premier League would just have its own tournament. I mean, if that were the case, but, you know, it, it's really the unique stories of those lower level teams that have that chance, that once in a lifetime chance that literally the, the, the actual, you know, who knows what they do in, in a, let's call it during Monday through Friday, eight to five, but there, there it could be at that level where they're actually then playing against these, 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 you know, heroes that they, they watch on a weekly basis. It's crazy. I mean, it's awesome. So yeah, I mean, you got the draw, you got the short end of the stick draw uh, last time in the third round and found a way to beat Arsenal. I think we got the short end of the stick draw for, uh, you know, now having said that glass half full, if we can beat Man City, we feel like we could beat anybody in that anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not a great draw. Not a great job, but it does give you the out, I guess. I mean, I know Spurs don't need any fewer games. Like, you'd like to go on and try and win a competition. But, yep. hey, if you win, awesome. All of a sudden, you only have to win three more, and you're going to raise a trophy. And if you lose, you know what? Then you just have more time to focus on the league and try and put all your resources towards that. And that's okay, too. Yeah, It's, it's you know, win-win, Bill. It's win-win. No, it, it is actually win-win because it becomes this thing, you know, always, as we know, what team are you going to select? Who's going to be out there? Are you really trying to win this thing? All of that. Well, hey, look, I, if you lose to Man City, there's a really good chance that everyone's going to lose to them. So at the end, not much to be able to say there. Now, if you do get bumped you know what? You're right. All the eggs are in the basket to try to get to Europe, European, back in European play, but hopefully at the top end. That'd be the hope. God bless the conference league, but top, top four would be nice. Top four. Yes. Would be nice. And now next year, I think the champions league uh, increases. Is that correct? I think there's more teams, the, right? The format's going to change next year. It's hard to keep track of because they've tweaked the model quite a bit. So I don't mm-hmm. have the specifics, but basically five teams from England could get in. If you finish fifth, it's, uh, they're still sort of figuring out some of the permutations, but it feels like a fifth team from England will play Champions League football next year. So really top five and you're in good mm. shape. So yeah, you, just hold. You, but hold maybe water, you're, though. are you kind of working your way into the uh, See, like a group play at that and point? That's, you think? that's the part that I don't know. Because it yeah. used to be, if you were the four seed, essentially, if you were the fourth team from England, you did have a play-in tie with somebody to get into Champions League proper. Now they've, again, as you said, they've increased the field. It's going to be a little bit different. I don't know if you have to win a two-legged tie against someone just to get into the group stage if you're the five. I, I don't know. We'll mm. figure that out. Yep. We'll get, well, well, more to come. Watch this space as we get closer more to, to come. May. That's to exactly that right. Uh, last thing for you. Speaking of, speaking of May, obviously baseball season will be in full swing by then. Pitchers and catchers are going to report eh, about a month or so, not that far off, which is wild. Red Sox made a little bit of news. Not the news yeah. we were hoping for over Christmas, but uh, a big, big, big trade with the Braves moving off of Chris Sale. Yeah. Suckering the Braves into taking on Chris Sale, perhaps. What are your thoughts, Bill, on that transaction? Yeah, I thought that it was good for both sides, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, I can't blame Chris Sale that a contract was put in front of him, you know, close to five years ago, and he signed it, you know, and then it hasn't worked out so well since he signed it. Since he put his name on that piece of paper, oof, it's been hard. And so at least we don't have to have him feel the pressure of having to at least live up to at least one year of the contract, so to speak. I think, I think it was good for both sides. He gets to go to Atlanta closer, closer to where he's from uh, down South. He signs an extension with them. They're easily one of the top three teams in baseball. So he gets to slide into the rotation as a three or four, three or four, as opposed to really having uh pressure be put on him to be maybe the top or second, you know, pitcher in the rotation. So anyways, all that to be said, and I think they got a young guy that at least gives him a chance. He's controllable and they, they paid a good chunk of sales contract mainly because they got a higher end prospect. Yeah. I think that in that sense, it was smart. I think you pay a little more and you get someone that can help you. I think they really view 
this Grissom kid as being someone that can come I think in so. and, yeah, and be a player for them. Uh, although I, I, I do find it funny is, uh, or it's a chuckle is that, uh, apparently he's not a great defensive player. And I was like, hmm, he'll fit right in. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Right in. Welcome to the club. I uh, I was going to say the un- the ironic thing is that they still need pitching help. We traded away another starting pitcher. So that, that piece has not been solved yet. Yeah, there's uh, a lefty from Japan that I think is out there that I think they've been in on. Um, it wouldn't be surprising if he potentially could be uh, one, if yeah. not two, you know, I still think Jordan Montgomery will be a possibility. Now, I guarantee you, you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to swallow hard on the years. Yeah. I mean, I, I the money aside, I, I mean, the money's the money, but it, it's the years. And my guess, it's going to be minimum of six. It would be, you know, and is that what you want to do? Who knows? Will he age well? No idea. He's thirty, but uh, but he does make starts. There's that. That's good. <laughs> and his wife's doing a his wife's doing a residency in Boston. Oh well, then there you go. It's, well, there's that too. So dunk, so yeah. so yeah. So I I don't know. They they do have to get some pitching though, for sure. Because and then the other thing that was weird that caught me off guard a little bit is that there has been some interest in Kenley Jansen to some degree mm. to to potentially trade him and that that hey that would be just fine. I don't know who's going to close games at that point in time. I think they have some possibilities on that. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to have to figure out who's going to be in the pen to some degree. I still think Whitlock is a reliever. He's a reliever. I think Tanner Houck's a reliever, quite frankly. Yeah, I feel like Tanner's a reliever, too. Yeah. You know, I think those two are, but Houck might have to start to some degree. If they don't sign anybody else, he's going he's to have to. <laughs> he can make starts. That You just said that about the gentleman we're bringing in. That They need people who can throw at the beginning of the game. They're, They've got some work to do. It's not the finished product right now. So no, I'm curious no. to see how it all That's shakes right. out. You, you look at the end, right? And But I'll tell you, I think, though, their position players, they've gotten a little younger. They've got yeah. they've got some prospects on their way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they, the, the future is, is, I think, fairly bright. They, they do have to figure out the starting rotation because they can't go into what they did last year. It, it'll yeah. tax the bullpen too much. I mean, they, most guys couldn't get through the, you know, the fifth inning. Yeah. I think the management has an interesting decision to make on what they feel like their timeline is. Because if you do feel like we're probably more suited to contend in like 2026 based on what our outfield players look like, what our lineup looks like, the guys coming through, maybe then you don't go all in on trying to sign expensive guys that are older for your rotation just to kind of be stopgap people. I think that they've got some interesting decisions to make in that regard. And I'll be curious to see when they think their window to win is. I know. the, the problem, it feels like it might be in a year or two. Not this I know. I, that to me is probably realistic. The issue is you have a fan base that's sad because you finished mm-hmm. third three times. You finished, you know, in last place in the four, in four years. And so, so at some point, and you're seeing what the Dodgers are doing, which I have no idea what that is. But um, I mean, it, it's crazy. But whatever. I mean, it, they're in the other league. I mean, the only chance we see them is in the World Series. So, mm-hmm. so fine. I'm glad they're all going there. But uh, better than the Yankees. Better than the Yankees. I will say that. Yes, hundred percent. Well, we'll see. It's it's fun. Kind of a I wouldn't say a hot stove this year. It's been kind of a lukewarm stove. Not not a lot of big moves in, in Major League Baseball. But things will start to pick up and. We'll see how things shake out when we start playing for real at the end of March. So I'll end the pod with two words. Two words. Mason Rudolph. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> I knew that. Congratulations. Unbelievable. It just It's just incredible to see the Steelers team. Now, obviously, playoffs will start this weekend. Difficult matchup. You probably don't have a Watt brother on your defensive line, unfortunately. Maybe. I, who knows? But I, it, he's out, right? I don't feel yeah. like TJ Watt is they just they, 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 they said he's out today. It's done, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that's a blow. But again, you've kind of overcome expectation and reality more often than not this season. Who's to say that you can't find a way to win a first-round game? So I'll say this. I don't know what – I think they're supposed to get weather in Buffalo, surprise, but mm-hmm. I do think so. And they've been able to run the ball the last few weeks a little bit. So, so 
you know what? I, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I'd say this. Yep, no TJ Watt, but we will play with 11 players uh, on the defensive side of the ball. That is, we're not going to play with 10. We're going to play with 11. No red cards. That's Tottenham. No red um, cards. That's, that's your other club. That's my other club. <laughs> that's that, the they, other yep, team. They love red cards. Yep, that's it. No Romero playing defense for the Steelers this weekend. But, yeah, this all started – this all started – Right around Christmas Eve, when Rudolph took control of the Pittsburgh Steelers sleigh, and oh, here we go. <laughs> Mason with his arm so strong, leading yes. this Tomlin squad. So yeah, Buffalo. It's a noon kick coming up uh, against the Bills. Obviously, you were not expected to win this game, but this has been a Jekyll and Hyde Bills team this year. And if you can run the ball, and if the weather's bad, honestly. And if Josh Allen makes a couple of mistakes, as he's wanting to do, you just never know. You, you're you're in the you're in the game still, Bill. You're at the table. You still have a chance to win a, to win another Super Bowl. You just never well, know. I did send a quick little email on Monday morning to Dan Johansson, our equipment uh, guru uh-huh. for for hockey, Bu- Buffalo it, native Dan Johansson. Well, or spent it, spent a good chunk of his life. Oh there. yes, in in I will just say this. Let's just pretend might have been in Denver. It was somewhere. He was he was given to me pretty good about how mm. the steel are just falling apart. And I just said, hmm, here we go. We're coming to you. You're coming to you. See, anybody that disrespects that towel, you saw what happened with the Jaguars. <laughs> Don't disrespect the terrible towel. That's rule number one. That's rule number one when you play Don't Pittsburgh. go to Pittsburgh and take that towel and start waving it. Nope. Nope, nope. No, so there good. you go. They, they, they were three and six after the towel waving episode in Pittsburgh. <laughs> True. Hey, ball don't lie, Bill. Towel don't lie in this situation. Trevor so. struggled after that. There was a lot mm-hmm. of issues going on. I'm just telling you, don't take Myron Cope's terrible towel. That's what I'll say. <laughs> don't take that one. Oh well, good luck to you in the playoffs this week. I and the the dumb thing is, if you just could have beat my stupid team, we'd have the number two draft pick. So you're good enough to make the postseason, but you were not good enough to beat the Patriots on a Thursday night. And, uh, and now we got the now we have to see what happens in the first two picks. But uh, but all good. No no ill will. Best of luck to you. Hope it goes well at Orchard Park. It's gonna be great. Have fun. It, it'll be great. I, I, house money. That, that's we're, exactly right. 100%. We're rolling in with house money. I, I'll tell you what, this team actually is playing. That's as, as good as they've run the ball, I would say, literally in the last three years, yeah. in the last three weeks. And so funny when you when it's complimentary, when they stretch the field a little bit, right? And that's why you got to give Rudolph credit. He's been hanging in the pocket and he's been able to get it deep. And once you get it deep, now all of a sudden you have a shot to run the ball. I mean, it's opens, really, it's, opens it's, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see what you can do this weekend. So enjoy the ride for as long as it lasts, Bill, even if it only lasts for a couple hours in the snow on Sunday. We'll, we'll see. see. What happens. We'll, we'll see. see. We're not on Peacock. We're on CBS. No. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we will end today's episode of the Build Shapes Podcast. Bill, thanks as always for the time, buddy. Good to chat. Thanks, Alex. Good stuff. Thanks again to Bill Chaves, to Jason Hajdu, our special guest, to our behind-the-scenes team of Paul Ralston and Alex Stocker-Johnson. I'm Alex Heinert. Thank you for listening. Stay warm out there, stay safe, and we'll chat again in a couple of weeks. Bye.